This is the Revenue with Real Estate podcast, helping you understand the real risks and rewards of profitable real estate investing so that you can lead a life that you love. Are you ready to talk some real estate investing? Happy holidays from the Revenue with Real Estate team. This is your host, Doug Myers, on the Revenue with Real Estate podcast. Hope you have been having a fantastic holiday season. We did take a little bit of a hiatus last week and decided not to publish an episode, but we're back here once again with one more guest interview right before the turn of the new year as we head into 2021. On this episode of the show, I am very excited to be speaking with Nick Scalcos. Nick's real estate investing journey began in 2016 when he joined Keyspire, one of the national real estate education companies here in Canada, and it was there that he learned how to invest in real estate and create powerful partnerships and ventures. In fact, this is where I met Nick. He was working on the wealth tour for them at the time, and he sat down next to me after one of the events, and he was actually really the guy that brought me in. And I tell a pretty powerful story and share that with Nick during this episode, and he has some really good feedback on hearing that. Um, So it's a really cool part of this episode. From there, in four short years, Nick has amassed a total of 20 doors in Ontario and New Brunswick using strategies like buy and hold, multi-units, house jacking, the Burr strategy, JVs, and using private lending. Nick's background, however, prior to his real estate investing, and in fact currently still is, a very well-versed and well-traveled musician. He's been a part of rock bands that have had music playing on much music across the Canadian music airwaves. He shared the national stage with some of Canada's largest bands and international music acts as well. So he's got a very diverse background and a very unique origin story as to how he got into real estate investing. And we jive a little bit about music and things like that. So for the people who are music and audiophiles, this will be kind of a cool episode that ties into that side of Nick's background. What I really liked about this conversation with Nick is that he is just so real. He's so genuine. You are really going to enjoy, at least I hope you do, enjoy listening to this conversation and just kind of hearing Nick's stories, how he's gotten into real estate, his time working and traveling and developing really a relationship with Scott McGilvery, who's the host of Income Property on HGTV. I'm sure a lot of people would be familiar with that name and with the show. And so Nick's kind of had an inside track on hanging out with Scott and hanging out with the other people involved in Keyspire, and that's really helped to elevate his game as a real estate investor. Towards the tail end of our conversation, Nick shares some of his tactics and techniques for investing in real estate, what he's done, what he's doing, what he is going to be working on in the upcoming year, how he can help and support you in your real estate investing journey, and a little bit of a plug for a new podcast that he's working on called Coast to Coast. Should be starting up here in the new year. Really looking forward to hearing that and to sharing that with listeners like yourself as well. Who knows? Maybe Gary and I will get a chance to be on Nick's show here in the upcoming year. So if you enjoyed this conversation and you want to get in touch with Nick, you can do so by checking out his website, www.nickscalcos.com. That's N-I-C-K-S-K-A-L-K-O-S dot C-O-M. He's got his email. He's got his information up there. You can shoot him a text, shoot him a message, whatever it is that you want to do to get in touch with the man that is Nick Scalcos. Without further ado, here is our wide-ranging conversation with real estate investor and musician, Nick Scalcos. My brother yesterday gave me a Eddie Van Halen guitar. No way. Yeah, he just gifted it. He's like, Merry Christmas. He's like, I have two. So here you go. I was like, holy shit. This is An great. actual Eddie Van Halen guitar? Yeah, it's right behind me. That one right there. Wow. Know, it's, yeah, it's, it's cool. I just I haven't really had a chance to play it yet. I just got it yesterday, but <laughs> yeah, he's he's that's the brother that handed me the drumsticks when I was 5. He's always been handing me down stuff and yeah, so. Nice. Nice. Is, does he play in a band? 
I assume. He's not really. He never really took it to where I did. You know, he just sort of kept it in the basement. It's <laughs> <laughs> living vicariously through me. I've been touring the world, really. Some of the biggest bands and some of the hugest stages. So quite the, uh, he's been just happy just following me doing that. Awesome, man. Well, I'm really excited to chat with you, Nick. I'm, I've actually been looking forward to this since, <laughs> since the weekend. I've got an exciting day of podcasts here. Um, sure. So this is awesome. I'm so glad that you could take the time to come on your, come on our show and, uh, and uh, chat with me. So first and foremost, thank you for being here. Yeah, man. So, so maybe we could start there. You're as for people who can't see this, um, because we're probably not going to be releasing a video on this, but you're hanging out. I just want to give context for listeners. You're hanging out here in what looks like a, a basement studio slash um, one man band room. And you got it all, man. You got drums, you got guitars. Like this is, this is cool. Yeah. It's, uh, it's basically, yeah, you kind of, I have just learned how to play drums, bass, guitar, sing, keyboards, and produce music by myself. I just found a, I don't know, I got a lot further quicker like that. And uh, yeah, I'm in my basement. It's not an ideal studio, to be honest with you. But uh, since Sarah and I started investing in real estate, I had to make some compromises. And having a studio was one of them. Uh, we decided to move into our studio, which was in the basement, and rent out the upstairs. So I've, made, I've been making it work. Um, I mean, sometimes I'm cutting vocals and there are dog, dogs barking <laughs> stuff, but I mean, I just make it work, man. It's, uh, it is what it is. Right on. Nowadays, you know, doing music, you don't necessarily have to be in a big studio with live drums and live guitars. A lot of things are done on the computer. You can just slap some headphones on and a lot of albums are actually today are produced like that. So, you know, technology has changed a lot of things that's enabled me to produce music in my bedroom apartment. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. No, the musical landscape is completely different. I just, I think to myself, like growing up, okay, so Linkin Park was like the band that I loved. I listened to a band called Cake. They had a song called Short Skirt, Long Jacket, which was pretty oh, big. The Distance is a sweet song. The Distance, yeah. Great song. Uh, they were the first band, the first concert I ever saw was Cake. Oh, where was that? I was in Vancouver. Very cool. Yeah. I was uh, playing a show with Mel C. My band Spirits were opening up for Mel C. She was, she's Sporty Spice, so the Spice, Spice okay. Girls. Yeah. She was touring Canada uh, in, in uh, <clears throat> um, you know, promoting her uh, solo album, and my band Spirits were following her across Canada. And one of the venues we were playing was multi-leveled, and uh, we were playing at the top level, but in the middle level, Cake was playing. So after oh. my show, I ran downstairs and caught the end of Cake show. It was in Calgary, I think. Yeah. But they're a really sweet band. Their bass player is just so good. Oh, yeah. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, I figured we, we kind of start there. You, you've got this history of music, and I know we're, we're obviously going to start talking about how you're involved in in the real estate investing landscape and, you know, really dive into a lot of the experiences that you have. Cause you know, just as we were talking before we really started getting into this, you, you know, you said one of the things is, you know, the way that you're really able to add value, or at least what you see is where you can add value here is, is through the experiences and some of the people that you've been around. So I definitely want to dive into that. But before we do, tell me a little bit about your, your history coming from, you know, the, the music where you grew up, all, all the things that have led to where you are today doing music and real estate really. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, my parents uh, immigrated here from Greece in the late 60s. Uh, it was a chaotic household. It was, unfortunately, my father was abusive, and that led to a lot of my brothers and sisters running away from home. I, I don't really know a lot of them today. I, I grew up in what I think was pretty good childhood. You know, we lived in uh, government housing with my mom, who loved loved me to pieces, and I was around a lot of kids. Like, I remember having a good childhood despite having moved around from, um, you know, uh, home to home for, uh, you know, children and women uh, that have been abused, uh, I think, like, ended up okay, you know, we used to get uh, Christmas dinner and clothes we used to come from Salvation Army and stuff like that, so it was a chaotic household, and when my brother handed me drumsticks, man, it really, like, it really shut out all that noise, and everything just became so clear what I wanted. And as a result, like, I've always known what I've wanted, and it's been such a gift to know that I want to be a musician. I want to be a drummer, specifically. So I just, uh, I just started there when I was five. I don't know. And, uh, 
by the time my, I was 12, my mother, uh, knowing I wanted to play drums, had saved up a thousand loonies and uh, bought me a drum kit. So that was my first drum kit when I was 12. I joined a bunch of cover bands and decided that uh, I want to do original music. So in high school, I created a band called The Miniatures. And it took me nine years, but I eventually led that band to a universal record recording contract. Oh, wow. Which saw us, um, it just saw us explode over Canada, really. Uh, much music was playing our videos like five times a day. 102.1 in Toronto was like spinning our stuff. Vancouver, Calgary, it was just across Canada. All of a sudden, we were everywhere. <clears throat> it was really cool, man. It took a long time of me spearheading that to make that happen. Um, you know, often we were in rehearsals just getting high, smoking weed, not doing anything. And I just wasn't happy with that. So there were times where I just dragged my ass from Kitchener, Ontario, just drove to Toronto with nothing in mind but to network. And I had no plans. So I would just walk around the streets, you know, and I'd end up at 102.1 The Edge or at City TV talking to Denise Donlan, just networking. I'd go to every networking thing I could. I'd reach out, you know, I'd get my the door slammed on me. And uh, it just paid off, you know, perseverance just paid off. Like, I knew that what we were delivering was some really good content. And uh, I just figured we needed, like, someone, a manager to get us there. So I eventually um, hunted down a friend of mine who was pretty, like, silver-tongued dude. He wasn't a manager, but I knew that he knew how to talk his way into anything. So I convinced him to be our manager. He walked into the industry in Toronto and just like blew the doors open for us and it all just started there. So since 2003, I mean, I've toured, I've shared the stage with uh, some of the biggest acts in Canada from, I mean, some 41, Sloan, um, I don't, uh, Matthew Goodband, it's been crazy. Uh, I've opened up for the Pixies, um, Jane's Addiction, some of like, like hugest bands. I've toured stadiums in South Africa, uh, successful tours in England. And then I went on to create another band, same thing. And then I started doing uh, studio drumming for other bands. And I ended up, ended up with a platinum record with City and Color, who's a pretty big band in Canada. Um, that was just a fluke too. So I've got a platinum record on my wall, which is awesome. Uh, the experience has been great uh, since I've played since that I've played with a band called Mounties and they're really cool because it consists of the singer of Hot Hot Heat, Limb Lifter and Hoxley Workman, who are some of my like favorite. Hoxley artists. Workman? Yeah, man. They've got together oh, in a group, created nice. a band called Mounties and cool. so I joined them. I joined them on percussion for some live stuff. And then uh, I saw myself working with Scott McGilvery just last year. He wanted to release a, an album. So I wrote and produced an album with him. And I also wrote the theme song to his show called um, uh, Vacation House Rules. It's an HGTV show about Airbnbs. So, and that was my last musical project. No, actually, I've done some more musical stuff, but that was my last big project was with Scott. Uh, so basically, yeah, I've... I've done it all. I've been on all the magazines, like I've, videos. I've, I've, I remember going to work once. I was working as a waiter, and I was getting my uniform on, and I, our video was on Much Music. I was like, oh, my God, our video's on Much Music. It's crazy. <laughs> I run to the car, and our video was on, like, or our song was on, you know, London, London's rock station, and then it's on, like, St. Catherine's rock station, and then it's on Toronto's, every Toronto rock station. Like, I couldn't change the channel without hearing our music, and it was just, like, this is what I wanted. This is what, you know, this is all we needed to be big, you know, and then realizing that that's not all you need to be big, you know, like what mm. you thought you needed isn't what you need at all. It's just like basically the way the Canadian music industry works is we're going to make people think you're famous. This will hopefully convince them that you are mm. and they will buy your stuff. So there was just a perception that we were big, which was a problem because I had to go to work at a restaurant and every time her song was playing on the radio, I'd made the mistake of telling, you know, the clients sitting down at the table, Hey, this is my song playing on the radio. And they would just be like, well, then what are you doing working here? Mm. I'm just like, man, Canadian industry is rough. You know, it's really rough. So there was uh, you know, that was interesting. But the reason why I'm talking about this now, Doug, is because all of this stuff is relevant to what I'm doing today. 
all of the hustling, all of the doors that I had slammed in my face, like all of that stuff, you know, knowing what you want, accomplishing your goals and, and, exp and in living in what you thought was your desired end state and, and you know, reevaluating what, what success is to you, all of that stuff has some relevance to what I'm doing now. So, but yeah, in a nutshell, that's it. You know, that's my musical background and I continue to do music. So if you want to write a song, hey, you know, reach out. If you've got a show <laughs> you need a theme song for, you just want to write some music, check it out. I'm here. Yeah, very cool, Nick. Well, thank you for for sharing that uh, lead up story. That's that's really interesting. I mean, I just think about yeah how how the the music industry is such a you know for I would assume is just incredibly tough to a get into be 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 successful in, and yeah, I think that's kind of a great place to kind of segue. And you you talk about you know having doors slammed in your face and and then a number of rejection uh, rejection points. To now, you know, when does real estate start to play a picture in this? Like you said, you know, your song's on the radio, you're on much music, yet here you are waiting tables. Something doesn't add up from a financial standpoint. So when did this, uh, when did the gear shift with that? Okay, well, not to redirect it back to Scott McGillivray, but I've got to blame him for all of it. <laughs> it's always Scott's fault, right? <laughs> I, seriously. Here, here we are. I'm in, I'm in the basement of my old house okay first of all you got to understand that when i sarah and i bought our first principal residence in 2008 and when i went to the bank to get the mortgage i had really no interest in being there i had no interest in being a homeowner like i was fine with being a renter uh it was crazy to say that to to listen to me say that right now it's like oh my god look like but i'm glad i did the mental switch but anyway so sarah to talk me into it Luckily, we had a bungalow with an in-law suite so my mother could move in, which was really cool. Um, but, you know, aside from that, I really had no interest in, in anything, anything related uh, to uh, mortgages or houses or anything. And then we started watching HGTV and we got hooked on a show called uh, Income Property, where Scott and Michael would go in and, you know, convert family homes in, into either duplexes or just add a, like a legal suite in the basement and basically you know, raise the value of the property and uh, give a mortgage, like give some help to their mortgage. And I just thought, wow, this is pretty cool. So Sarah and I watched every episode of Income Property. And then when we heard that Scott was coming to town, we were like, wow, we got to go. So we went to see him talk at a Keyspire event. And Sarah was, she is a teacher and she would like to replace her income with uh, passive real estate income. So she was like, we got to do this program. Uh, I was like, uh, okay. And uh, I liked what he was saying. I was just a little reluctant, but she made me sign up to the three-day workshop. I then moved forward with the Keyspire program. And uh, three months later, I saw Keyspire were hiring. And I was just like, well, that's cool. I just applied to, to work with them. So I went in for an interview and uh, they were just like, you know, do you want to work with the workshops or do you want to work with Scott? I was like, obviously, I want to work with Scott. Like he's... I'm kind of starstruck even to see him and I don't get starstruck often. I met so many people. That would be great. So they're like, okay, so we were hired. So I started flying around with the Keyspire team and it was really cool, man, because like being involved in a real estate network is awesome, but working within a real estate network is even more awesome because it's kind of like you're in this major mastermind. You're surrounded by all these real estate investors and they all have the same goals as you. And all of a sudden your circle changes and your prospects change and uh, you just get more knowledgeable in general. So that was really cool. It was a big shift. So I quit the restaurant and I started working for Keyspire. Two years later, Scott's like, who's this guy? I've been like, I've been working with you for two years. You've never like, we've never hung out. We've never said anything. Right. So I was just like, Hey man, how's it going? You know, like <laughs> been working with you for two years, you know, and I'm um, <laughs> surprised. <laughs> And, yeah. uh, and I was just like, hey, you know, uh, why, don't, why don't we do a theme song for one of your shows? You know, I'll write you, I'll write you a killer theme song. And he's like, I got a better idea. Why don't I write it with you? It's like, oh, that's interesting. Why don't you come down to my basement apartment in Cambridge, Ontario? And we'll take it <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, okay. So last year, get a knock on the door right on time, of course. And Scott McGilvery and bring him down to my basement apartment, show him around, which wasn't too long. Like, here's the kitchen, <laughs> here's, the, here's the bathroom, here's my bedroom. 
And uh, we started writing original music. It turns out that he used to be in a band when he was younger, a boy band at that. Mm-hmm. And, I do recall uh, the boy band story. Yeah, and they were actually they got like they got they got like a record label. They got money. There there was a launch, like you know, poised to be released. And then Scott's father died, and he kind of like fell into a, a bit of a depression and just sort of secluded himself and. Actually, I think that's when he started buying real estate. He just, instead of doing things that, I don't know, 21-year-olds should do, he just started investing in real estate. So uh, he always wanted to revisit that. And I think with me, he had an opportunity as someone that he felt that he could trust to sort of open up on that level. And for me, it was quite the opportunity to, you know, have someone that's encouraged me to step out of my comfort zone. Like, just the fact that I can do that back for him was a, was a really cool opportunity, like, just like, yeah, welcome to my world, yo. This is my basement recording studio. <laughs> <laughs> now you're going to listen to me. There's the you platinum know? record on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. And so we started collaborating with Scott. And what I realized was that like everything that he has learned, he brought it into the session. So he was really he was really great to work with as a, as a songwriter. Like He knew where he wanted to go, what kind of sounds he wanted. And we actually got really good stuff together and that I'm proud of. So uh, if you want to check out uh, Scott McGilvery on Spotify, I uh, encourage you to do so. We've got six songs out together. So we wrote that, we wrote that last year with the help of uh, Alex Voyich and Andrew Papaleo. And those two are uh, friends of mine and they're also very talented music producers as well. So... Yeah, so check out Scott McGilvery. Mm-hmm. Very cool, man. That's very cool. And like, like you said, you were, you know, you're working on this Keyspire workshop team, or not the workshop team. Sorry, the the tour. Well, I was the, doing both, but okay, at the end both. Of it. Okay, and and approximately, like, were you were you doing real estate before, other than just you had your you had your home, you know, that you were kind of a disinterested homeowner, reluctant homeowner at first, and and then you started working with these guys and. Um, that's when things really started to kind of take off for you in terms of real estate? Absolutely, yeah. I was still just a homeowner, had my mother living, you know, in the en suite. And I think I did a refi to, like, pay off some credit card debts or a trip. But uh, I really didn't know how to use refinances. I didn't know anything, really. I wasn't really that interested. And then, uh, uh, you know, as soon as we signed up for the Keyspire, I decided to convert that home into a legal duplex, and oh my God, that was a, it was, it was awful. Like just working with the city and working with an inexperienced contractor, like uh, there was so many mistakes made on that job. It was, it, it was, I should really write a book about it. It was crazy. And it was just working with the city too. It can be a really awful experience. But anyway, I converted the, that bungalow into a uh, legal duplex. Uh, it was then underperforming because our, our loan was, our interest on our loan was pretty high. So I ended up selling it, which isn't the plan. And we partnered up with uh, my wife's in-laws and bought some uh, passive uh, investments in the Windsor area in Southern Ontario, uh, which was great. Cause I traded in two doors for uh, like 12, something like that, which is awesome. Uh, but again, um, you know, in all, in all transparency, if you don't mind, I think it was a, a, a misstep to some degree only in the fact that um, when you're when you're aligning your goals with your with your financial partners or your partners you're doing business with, you really got to make sure you do have the same goals. I think I didn't really know what I want back then, but I know what I want now. I want cash flow. I'm hunting down real estate, and I need cash flow to keep that to keep coming in, so that I can keep hunting down real estate. Because, I mean, hustling in this business without having a steady flow of cash flow is just not a good position to be in. So. We set that company up to just sort of everything, all the dividends gets you know put back into the business. So when there's a refinance, obviously we buy another property. All, all the cash flow goes back into the business to pay for renovations and you know go towards new property. Uh, and I mean that's not that was my seed money that I needed to build capital with. So just parking it in a passive investment, I think, was a bit of a misstep. Obviously, it's a great mm. thing. We're with family. It's going to be fine in the end. It just meant that I kind of had to like start over again and be like, okay, I need cash flow. So I turned to, I'm letting that 
do Sarah, my wife, she's running the operations on that side. And I started just pivoting, doing JV deals on my own. Um, first, it was first what I did is I teamed up with a guy uh, from Halifax. He, he's now my partner in some of the deals that I do. Met him on a plane. He's a Keyspire uh, subject, a student. And uh, by the time the plane ended, we were partners. So what we did is we found a dilapidated sixplex in St. John, New Brunswick last year. It's been on the market for six years. Um, it was in bad shape. And we decided to buy it. So what we did, obviously no bank's going to give us a loan on that. So we uh, borrowed private money from uh, private lenders that we found on the Keyspire um, Facebook page. It's a closed group that I used for uh, looking for borrowers and lenders. And we found private money to acquire the property. Uh, we used two types of loans. One was secured on the property and the other were just promissory notes. We, so we outright purchased the property, we paid for the renovations, and then we tenanted the sixplex, got signed leases, and then went to the bank after it was all said and done. And that was an eye-opener because uh, with commercial residential mortgages, they don't look at your income. They just look at the net operating income of the property, which was awesome because, you know, when you're applying for a residential mortgage, you got to, you know, look, you know, how long have you worked there? And, and my plan is to not have a job. So this is fitting my model here where I could just like keep doing this. I don't need to qualify personally. The building qualifies on its own. And everything almost worked out except for the fact that we were about 200000 over budget. Uh, with the renovations, so we had to leave some money in the project there. So again, we're redirecting all the cash flow from that to pay back the, you know, the overrun of renovations or whatever. So I'm just like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay. So I think finding burrs right now is a little difficult. So I've pivoted again to doing JVs. Uh, the reason being is because my boots on the ground have been giving me not turnkey properties, but properties that aren't total burrs and they got to leave the money in it. So, and I kept turning them away and I'm just like, man, I wish I could just find a way to make these deals work. So I was just like, hold on, hold on. What, you know, what's this nine unit you got here? So I've got a nine unit under contract right now in Moncton, New Brunswick. And um, the returns are good if, my portion is cut. Like I went down to a 30%, 70% split on this one because the financing, like the returns were just better for the financing partner. They were, they were good at that point. And to me, I already have like, I've got everything on the ground there ready to go. Like my, everyone's ready, boots on the ground, ready to run. So for me, it's not that hard. Like I've already got my system in place. You know, 30% is, is still good. And they get a great return. I get a great return, and they're still an up. And uh, the the cool up with this building is that there's no renovations required to increase the rent. So what I do is I not only do I invest where returns are best, I invest in landlord-friendly provinces if possible. What that allows you to do is simply get the rents up to market rent in a timely fashion, uh, which mitigates a lot of the risks involved for my financial partners. So. I found that doing the JV thing where I'm just on, I'm not on the title, I'm just attached to a JV agreement and I'm collecting the cash flow right away. I think that's my new model. So I picked up another duplex in Moncton as well using this, uh, this system. And I think I'm gonna be doing a lot more of it. So, I mean, things are good. Obviously a lot of like, a lot of things on the, on the go and, and it'll be fine. But to be honest with you, you caught me at a time where I'm feeling like just a little deflated. Mm. Um, and I think I wouldn't feel like that had I been seeing the, the dividends of all of the investments by now, but we're not. They're still being redirected for whatever reasons. So um, nothing, you know, not major, nothing I can't work with. I just sort of feel like I was starting over again after three or four years. Well, I want to commend you for your openness to share. We try and highlight it as many times as possible through through revenue in that you know our our motto with this is we want people to understand the real risks and rewards of investing in real estate and what i love about what you've just said is that you know it's not always great <laughs> it's not always glitz and glamour right you you have to go and and push yourselves and in some in some cases make mistakes and i i, I feel you nick like i've made 
many mistakes. I've made many mistakes. I've lost money. I've had deals that didn't go as well, or they took six months longer than you expected them to. I've had deals where you got to go pick up the hammer and get the deal done. And, you know, there's other, you know, I put it in quotations, true investors who are like, don't pick up the hammer, don't pick up the paintbrush, don't do just, you know, hire somebody else to do that, blah, 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 blah. And I, I don't want people to be blind to the fact that like, there are risks at this, you know, it's not always going to come up aces. And it's like, how do you roll with that and stay positive? Like you said, you know, the dividends are coming. I tell myself that too, because, you know, okay, maybe a deal falls flat or it doesn't do as well. But then I look back at, you know, the, the number of rental properties that I have and go, okay, well, you know, principal pay down there was a thousand dollars this month, another 500 here, another 250 here, another 400 here. And across the portfolio, it's like, shoot, every month that I just hang, it's $3,000 or whatever it is that's coming back to me at some point. I can't eat that today, <laughs> right? I feel that's probably kind of what you're, what you're feeling too, but totally. it's there, right? And, and we have to, play, when we're playing the long game, we got to think about that. Um, so thank you for sharing that openly. And, and you know, mm. it's no BS because, yeah, I think a lot of people will get into real estate and just think, yeah, okay, yeah, let's go do this deal. And something like that happens. And they're like, that's it. They are done real estate for life. And, and they will not see the dividends that you will, that you will see in time. Right. So. Yeah, totally. And then no problem. I mean, I, I could spin my story to sound absolutely amazing. And, uh, that's not what I want to do on, uh, as your guests here. I just want to be, I want to add value as, as much as I can and just be as transparent as possible and hope that, you know, someone gets something from, this conversation. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I appreciate that a lot. You had so many jumping off points there. I was like biting my tongue as you were speaking. I'm like, okay, try and park this in my mind so we can come back to it. Um, I ha I wanted to ask you around working with and traveling around with a guy like Scott. Most people will not have this opportunity, this experience where they, you know, a lot of people would look at Scott as a, a celebrity. I've had the pleasure of hanging out with him in some aspect for basically a day. And one of the most genuine guys I've really hung out with. There was no sense of, hey, I'm on TV. I'm a big, I'm a big guy. Like, I didn't get any of that. He was real. He was present. He was great. And um, I'd just be curious what it'd be like to, you know, hang out with a guy like that for, for the extended period that you have. I mean, you really know the guy. Like, Blows my mind, to be honest with you. I mean, he invites me over to his house. Uh, his family eat eats uh, vegan when I'm there. Uh, like they go out of their way to make sure everything's plant-based, uh, hang out in a steam bathroom, just talking about whatever. We hang out in a hot tub. We, hang, we go swimming in his pool, calls me on a weekly basis. It's a, uh, it's trippy, man. Like I went from watching him on TV to, you know, having him come down to my basement apartment and I'm going over to his house on a weekly basis. It, we, I haven't seen him since COVID but uh, we have a uh, Zoom session tomorrow. Uh, but it's, it's unreal. I mean, here I am in this house that I saw on TV. It, if you have ever watched Moving the McGilvery's, it's about making that house, you know? And here I am now, like, every week, just like his, you know, like everyone in the house knows me. It's like, hey, Nick, help yourself to this. And I'm like, okay, no problem. Like, it's, it's so cool. He makes a point out of being super earnest and humble because he's around a lot of people that aren't. And that's just, uh, he sees that and he's just like, I'll never do that. You know, he wears, um, he wears rowdy shoes. He doesn't have a driver, drives himself everywhere. Uh, he's doesn't a lot, often he'll like, prep the meal for me himself you know it's, he's just really he's really down to earth i've picked up a lot of his traits i believe as well um and i'm still working on some too like he's very punctual uh he's very neutral he always he avoids discussing uh politics or religion at, at all costs and and i and i'm i'm, I'm with him on that one um uh, i obviously i am an animal rights activist so i do um like i Sometimes I am political, but only if it's about a law pertaining to animal rights, you know, other than that, like I just try and stay out of it. And uh, he's, I've, I take a cue out of how he schedules his days. 
I notice that he's a bit methodical about like when he gets back to people, like he won't just like answer a text or an email. Like he's not a slave to his phone. Like he's programmed like what time of day he's going to look at his phone and get back to people. And, uh, everything's in his, everything's in his calendar. He's super scheduled. The Darren Voros gave me that tip recently too. And I've seen a lot of successful people do this. I, I don't know why I haven't started earlier, but started putting everything in my calendar. That's been, that's been pretty awesome, man. Like even like working out and, uh, just cleaning the house or whatever, like put it all into your calendar and, uh, Wow, that's a difference. Yeah, but basically he's it's a trip to see such a humble guy. He's so supportive of everything I do uh and he's such a big believer in me and it just gives me so much confidence, you know? And uh not that I needed it, but uh it's just life's a trip. Like if you want if you see someone on TV and you're like I want to meet that person, most people don't think it's in their realm to do that, but I've I always thought it was in, within my realm like why not? Like, I've got a fun personality. Like, why wouldn't you like me? Like, you know, <laughs> elbow through the crowd, make my way up to the front, introduce myself. I've always been like that, you know. Mm -hmm. Opportunities are there for you. You know, I've learned so much. I've traveled with him for three years with Keyspire. Every time he'd get up on stage and talk for two hours, and I would stand there and listen to him, even though it was the same thing, I found it so compelling. I mean, he's got a great voice, for one. Uh, he's got, he's a great speaker, but... I mean, what he's telling you up there is is just the truth, and it's stuff you don't hear in school, and you know, and uh, it's just been embedded in me now. Like I have a, uh, I went from consumer mindset to investor focused mindset just because of watching him every day or every weekend just talk like, like what just do do his presentations. So it's been great. He's been um, he's been a character. He's a great you know character to model yourself after he's non-reactive he doesn't you know lash out uh there's so many good qualities about him that i want and uh and you do inherit them the more you hang out with someone you know it's true that you are a piece of everyone you hang out with so careful who you hang out with mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely and uh i want to circle back to our first meeting which it's funny because you meet a ton of people doing what you do, yeah. and I and I I'm quite confident in the fact that you probably don't remember meeting me, um, where it was or what the context was or whatever. But I'm going to share the story with the listeners because um, it's really important to me. And I've told you before, just off air. I just wanted to share it as well. Here was I met you at a at one of these events when it wasn't actually Scott that was speaking. It was um, it was Darren who was speaking, um, but Nick, you were there. And um, so the event happened. You know, I had learned probably about three or four things in in this two hour session that probably would have saved me between ten and fifteen thousand dollars on my previous deal, which I had just done. Right. And I was like, huh, this is interesting. And I had this idea. I was like, you know, I, I really want to be a business owner. I'd like to leave my job. We you know what's the vehicle. And, and then this real estate thing comes up and it's like, whoa, holy crap. People are building real estate investing businesses. Like maybe I could do this. And I was sitting there and um, you talk about that mindset, consumer versus investor. And, you know, it was a thousand dollars or something to take a three day workshop. And I really grappled with that. I was like, $1,000 for three days? Are you crazy? I can go to Mexico for that amount. Like, I, I literally was sitting there like, this is my Mexico trip. That's a cheap Mexico trip, but like, <laughs> still in my head, I'm like, this is a trip. And uh, you came, and I was thinking about it. You came, and you sat down, and you were like, hey, man, what did you think of the session? <laughs> and I'm like, man, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> just goes bouncing in with the hair and, uh, and, and everything. And, and I was like, this is not, this is not suited up real estate investor type guy. Right. Uh, and you just sat, you sat down and you're like, you know, I've taken this workshop. Uh, I've been hanging around with these guys for a long time. I really think you're going to learn a lot if you come. And, um, yeah, you weren't salesy. I know you guys got to make sales and, and that's all about it. But like you weren't salesy about it. You were just like, Hey, so I convinced you to do a workshop, eh? You did, definitely. And um, yeah, you just said, yeah, I, I think you're going to learn something here. And I thought, wow, okay. 
interesting. Like this, this guy is not real estate to me and, and, and everything. And, and it was really, um, you just having a quick conversation with me about coming to the thing. And I, and I went and again, you know, that week, weekend, I, I, I remind myself, I'm like, I learned how to be a millionaire that day. And I uh, developed a really good relationship with the speaker who was there, ended up joining in. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't have this as a pitch to, to join that. I don't necessarily think that you have to do that. But for me at the time, that was really valuable. And it reignited this fire, this original innate desire in me that I really wanted to build something and like work hard at it. And the following year afterwards, man, was like, I'm here today. I got to do this podcast today because of that. I'm not saying it's all, it's, it's not all Nick, but you were the, the tipping point. The one guy who helped push me there. And why I share that story and why I'm really happy that you're here now sharing your stories is we don't know who it is in our life that we will meet who will have something to say or something that they see in us through what they've done that will be valuable. And you didn't know that that day. You don't remember me. You do now, but you don't remember me from the meeting. And yet it was your influence and you trying to see something bigger for me that made it possible. And that's what's so powerful about doing a show or recognizing that we all have that. We, we don't know who it is that we can help through conversation, through reaching out, through making that introduction to the stranger like you did. So I just wanted to share that and, and thank you for that because I don't hey, know. Listen, I'm Doug, I'm really glad you did because, you know, it is a sales job and Scott wants us to sell the, the workshops, but it's different than any other sales job in the sense that it changed my life. And, and I, I know that it, it could potentially do the same for someone else. And I don't want to rob them of that experience. Imagine had I not walked over to you that day and said anything and you just went on that vacation. Like, would you be here right now? Would you be talking to me? Mm-hmm. Who knows? I don't know. So uh, you're welcome. There was a one job that I didn't have a, I did not mind selling a product because I, I, I'd seen what it done for me. I'd seen what it done for others. And if you believe in yourself, it's, it could be you as well. So very cool. Thank you for sharing that with me. It, um, it's just like another, like, like all jobs. Sometimes I just, you know, it's, it's great. It's awesome, but it's just, uh, it's a job and it's just nice to hear when someone's just like, Hey man, like you probably don't remember this, but you really changed the trajectory of things. And it's like, Oh wow. So thank you for sharing that. Appreciate it. Yeah. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. Let's come back to something you said earlier about investing where returns are best. And we had a conversation prior to this about investing on kind of a lifestyle decision and, and you'd asked me what I kind of meant by that. And, and I said, you know, it's not all about return in numbers. Return in numbers is, of course, very important. But for me, it really is about at this stage, like, how does that fit into what I want? And you alluded to it earlier, like, I want cash flow. I need cash flow right now so I can continue the hustle. So can you maybe share just your perspective on why it is so important to, you know, and, and what maybe we could start here. What does invest where returns are best mean to you in your real estate? Yeah, uh, and since our conversation with you, that that answer has changed because uh, invest where returns are best initially meant like numbers, like look at the numbers and and go for it. But it it now like I realize that there is a return on lifestyle and. Uh, and that, that's got to play a role in it as well. For example, when I first started out in 2016, I said that I wanted to acquire, uh, you know, single family homes, convert them. And I wanted to do it by myself with Sarah. And, um, you know, and I wanted to, I wanted to do it with my own money. And uh, that was like totally the wrong approach to take. Uh, I think I've totally changed my approach since then. And uh, anyway, what were we talking about? I totally forget your question. <laughs> I, I asked, what does 
invest where returns are best? Oh my God, that's a great question. Yeah. So, okay. So it means the return on lifestyle is massive. This is what's changed. I realize I no longer want to property manage my, my, my holdings. I feel that and this re- and it really hit me last week when uh, I was coming back from the paint store, grabbing um, you know paints and, and brushes and rollers and stuff for a unit that I'm painting upstairs because it's vacant, and I had to pull over five times to uh, answer the call of my broker, my lawyer, and my financial partner, and I didn't even make it to the house. Like I was on the phone all day, and I realized like this isn't w- this isn't the lifestyle I want because for one. Uh, I almost missed a call. I was covered in paint. I almost missed it. And that call ended up being a $1 million call. It was just a friend calling to say hi. And it ended up into, hey, let's invest together. And so I really realized that I don't want to be working in my business. I don't want to be chasing tasks around feeling like I've accomplished something and end up with five properties that I'm property managing myself. I get it if you need to do that. And I will property manage some of my own properties and I'm not knocking anyone that does that. You got to put sweat equity in it, especially at my stage. But um, I have a system now where like, <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm simply underwriting properties. I'm finding the best property. I'm mitigating the risk of my financial partners. And I'm, I'm more focused on the acquisition side of it. And investor returns are best in addition to the lifestyle is, is, is the numbers. So uh, in all transparency, I invest in New Brunswick lately. There are landlord friendly like tenant laws there and um, the prices are reasonable. Just note that the prices you see on uh, realtor.ca, like everything that you see in New Brunswick on that site, most things have been picked over already and they're overpriced. I know compared to the house beside you, they're not, but they are they are overpriced out there and you can get in way over your head with a really expensive renovation because houses don't really uh, acquire you know uh, accumulate as much equity as they do in Ontario or British Columbia so uh, you know New Brunswick is the cash flow play but it made sense for my return on lifestyle and my return on investments were great because I'm in a hot market I'm in KW I can do one of two things. I can pivot my strategy from converting single family homes and doing distressed properties to uh, maybe new development, like because you know finding a, a burr now in Kitchener, Waterloo, Ontario is pretty difficult to do. Or I can move to another market where things are just starting to come up. So I have a bunch of indicators that I look for um, uh, in regards to what market I want to invest in, you know, and that includes you know job creations, job growth, immigration. Um, vacancy levels, like inventory, you know, and if everything adds up, I'll, I'll check it out. And so it brought me to Moncton last year. I started in St. John and moved over to Moncton. And uh, I really believe in that city. I think BMO called it like the best place to find a job. And the vacancy rates are just ridiculous. So, so uh, but doing burrs in Moncton are a little difficult. So again, I pivoted to doing JV deals. So there's a deal, it's good, just you gotta leave some money in it. I look for an investor that's okay with that. Hey, we can get a lot of your money back now. The rest of it's in for five years, are you in? And uh, I'm willing to also adjust my percentage as a working partner. And I wanna reiterate that a lot of people would be like, you know, don't sell yourself short and, and, and you know, cut, you know cut, your, cut your portion, but I mean, and I agree with that, and I'm not. It's just simple math. Like, I've got boots on the ground. I've got a system in play. It's really no sweat off my back to give up some equity. Uh, if it, because being greedy at some point, it just doesn't work. Like, if I was to take a 50 50 cut on some of these properties, uh, the return would just be single digit returns. Like, and it's not really that good. So, by lowering my percentage, making their returns sweet, I think everyone's happy. I mean, um, I'd like to get back to a situation where I'm 50-50, but that's more likely taking on a project that's like distressed property or dilapidated, you know, or converting it and bringing it back up. I have no problem going 50-50 there, but I've got a nine unit turnkey. I've got unit like people in place. It's like, you know what? You're my friend. I'm gonna cut you a deal. Let's go 70-30. 
And uh, let's make this happen. I've also discovered CHMC mortgages. Um, haven't applied for one yet, but I'm in the process of doing that now. And that was um, that's a pretty good that's a pretty good tool. According to my brokers, I could do one of two things. Uh, for example, with this nine unit that I've just closed on, I could close now and get a bridge loan at you know two point nine percent, amortized over twenty five years. Uh, loan to value is seventy five percent. Or I can apply for a CHMC mortgage. Uh, it's a long close, like five months. So you're going to have to talk the seller into you know, extending the close. But it's an 85% loan to value at 1.9%. And you can amortize over 35 years. This is a massive, massive, awesome tool now to use. I had no idea. So um, I convinced the seller, you know, to uh, hold back the, the close and we're going for the CHMC mortgage. Never done it before, so I'm very interested to see what the process is, but I know a friend of mine, Alfonso Quadra, loves CHMC mortgages and he's been talking about them for a while. So, and I believe that's the reason why it's taken five months, but why it will take five months to get one is because everyone's going for them. Uh, but a great tool nonetheless, and um, just another... Uh, just another tool in my toolbox that I can now use to offer my investors some sweet returns. Mm -hmm. I love that, man. That was a really good answer around, um, around going this route of investing out of your market. So this is kind of specific for, for our guys like us, right? We, we live in, um, say Ontario where, you know, housing market can be pretty expensive. Um, I'm in Vancouver, so anything out here is incredibly expensive and the numbers don't necessarily add up the way they typically would on a, just a, I'll just call it a typical real estate investment where you put 20% down and you're going to cash flow a certain amount of dollars, right? So you, you head out to New Brunswick where you're investing now. So this appears like a really uh, sexy idea to a lot of people like who are in Vancouver or in Toronto, you know, they want to put their money to work elsewhere. Um, but they're, they're scared to take that money and put it into another one of these markets. Can you talk to maybe that audience? Because that's kind of what you've done and how you've built your team up in a different place where like you feel totally confident in like searching for a deal from afar, never really seeing the property and plugging away, right? Like how does that work for you? It's almost easier than uh, purchasing a property in my backyard um, for so many reasons. Um, having a property manager just do it for you is, is the best, you know, it, it's awesome. Basically your team's got to be killer. I've got a one-stop shop. My real estate agent brings me off-market deals. He is also my property manager. So here's a good little trick for you. Uh, when we were looking to expand into different markets, obviously I did my market analysis and I ended up in uh, New Brunswick and Moncton specifically. And uh, instead of looking for a real estate agent through you know real estate uh, sources, we were looking for a real estate agent through property, property management. So we just started Googling the best property manager in uh, Moncton. And so we called the first person we talked to. And uh, that's the, uh, I got lucky. That's my guy in Moncton. And uh, he is, has, he's a real estate agent. He, he has the number one property management company in Moncton. In addition to that, he is, uh, he's addicted to buying like businesses. He basically trains property management companies how to property manage. And he's got a one-stop shop. He's got his um, construction unit. He's got his, uh, you know, remediation unit. He's got everything you need, appliance, company. They're all there. So for me, it's pretty simple. I trust him. He gives me a, a scope of work. I review it, give him the okay. He comes back on time and on budget. And it's just like the best setup I've, I've ever had. So far, I just completed a, a duplex renovation with him and it was, it's almost done. It's a little over budget, but it's on time. And uh, the workmanship was, was amazing. I think one of the biggest mistakes in real estate I've ever done was I took the lowest bidder for a, a job. I took the lowest contractor. It's not to say that the guy, the contractor bidding the lowest amount is going to be the worst, but in my opinion, it, it is. So uh, these guys are honest. They, their, their rate is reasonable and their work's amazing. And it's, 
it, they've worked with integrity and that's huge. So yeah, so I would suggest finding a real estate agent through a property manager. In fact, I would I would suggest finding everything through the property manager because guess what? Like they know the they know the owners of all the buildings. So guess who the owners go to when they're looking to sell something? They go to the, they go to my guy and just like, do you have any clients? And he's like, yeah. And he calls me up right away. I promise. I made him promise I'm the first on his list. So you've got a lot of work to do. And you could go into a market, you know, build a team and find out that they suck. And I mean, that's probably a realistic probability. So just be ready for that. And uh, don't give up. Mm -hmm. I can attest to that. <laughs> Going into a market and... Uh... Yeah, first first story, relatable. What, what market was that? That was up in uh, Prince George in BC, which is a which is a really good market. Still is. It's very hot right now, actually. Oh, so hot right now. We <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> had a friend that uh, does JVs up there. Okay. So, are you, are you yeah. talking about Evan? Yeah. Do you know Evan? Yep. Yeah, I was speaking with him on the weekend. Yep. He listens oh, to the show. Cool. Shout out to Evan. Hey, um, Evan. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I I can totally attest to that. Uh, I bought my first properties up in Prince George, and in in a cycle of two years, you know, I'm 21 and 22 years old, and I had to fire my first two property managers because they they screwed the pooch. And I'm like, I'm in my early 20s. I don't know. This is pre Keyspire, pre real estate and education, all this stuff. I'm just like. This is simple communication and just getting things done on time. Like that's it. <laughs> and you're you're right, man. It's uh, I'm so grateful for the people I have now because yeah, communication. You can get them on the phone. They've got a real estate agent in when in the building, you know, like all the things are kind of connected. And yeah, I can just express agreement in what you've said there around building the team. It's especially totally. out of market, so critical. Also, just to add here, uh, if, you're, if your listeners want access to my team, uh, they're, they're, I, I would invite anyone to email me at nick.scalcos at gmail.com and I will give you all my contacts because um, what I've found often is that I've found my financial partners like that where some people would be like, well, hey, this person's a potential financial partner. Why would you just give them all your contacts? I like doing that because... I like being like, here you go. All you need is a real estate agent and you can get into real estate investing. Perfect. Here's his, here's his number. What now? Oh, you don't know how to vet a property? Well, that sucks. You should know what the ROI is. Oh, it's not cash flowing? Probably not a good investment. You know, I let them do the runaround. They go on realtor.ca. They, they hunt down. They do walkthroughs. A year passes. They still haven't purchased anything. They call me up. They're frustrated. And that's when the conversation starts turning to uh, hiring me on as a working partner. So I'm okay with giving my contacts. Sometimes people will run with them and use them, and that's awesome. And sometimes they'll realize that they thought what they needed were the contacts, and that's all they needed, or the access to private money. You know, a lot of people are like, all I need is private money. It's like, oh, really? Is that all you need? If I was to give you $100,000 right now, what kind of returns could you get me? And they're like, well, what are you talking about? Mm. I'm like, yeah, okay. So you don't know how to calculate a return. So you think what you need is $100,000, but you really need to learn how to underwrite a property, gain the trust of someone like me that's willing to give you that $100,000, man. Like it's, you know, so people need to come up with that, come to that realization on their own. And I'm more than willing to do that. So it's not, you know, you can, you can poach me for my contacts. It's not like I'm going to be like, yeah, you're going to come around to me when you're done. And, you know, that's, if you do, that's fine. But if you don't, that's fine too, because I think there's enough real estate to go around for everyone. And uh, I think it's time to send the elevator down to people who want it. So I'm here to do that. I love that, man. That's uh, that's a win-win for sure. I mean, yeah, I was, I'm, I'm so glad you answered. I was just going to ask you, I'm like, Nick, why would you create that offer? Why would you offer your team? Why would you offer your contacts? Like, you know what I mean? Because the reason why I'm saying that is because a lot of, we, we see it happen. That information for a lot of people is really guarded. And it's like, no, this is my team. This is my place. This is my territory. It's like this, this ego game. But in reality, when, when all the egos are dropped and it's just, you know, people having conversations, people opening doors for each other, everybody wins. 
everybody wins. Yeah, absolutely. I, as my, I'm raising capital. That's what I do. I'm into acquisitions. I'm into raising capital. And the biggest thing I could do is provide transparency and honesty. I think it's one of my biggest assets. It's all I got. It's not all I got, but my due diligence is pretty professional. But my candor is is honest, and uh, and it's gone a long way. So don't be fake. Just be real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Share share your knowledge. Share your contacts. That's just there's enough real estate for everyone. Just add value. We all know you and I know the power in adding value. That's why I'm creating a podcast. Yeah, yeah, right. Let's talk about that. What's going on here? We, you, Nick's got a podcast coming out. Let's do a little bit of plugging. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, what's, sure. what's coming up? What's coming down the pipe? So, yeah, so I uh, basically will be coming up with a podcast in mid-2021, probably. And the idea is is uh, I'm surrounded by amazing people. And the, and the idea is learn with us, basically. Like, I want to know, I ask the most annoying questions to people for some for whatever reason, I need to know the technicalities behind everything before I can move forward. And uh, so I'm just totally cool with asking stupid questions, looking dumb, in order to find out what I need to know to get to the next step. And uh, sometimes I could be annoying and I just figure, hey, let's just bring this to the podcast world. Let's annoy everyone I know, which is <laughs> a lot of people. Um, you know, so I plan on having some really cool guests on. And, uh, and basically my mission is to just, I don't, I'm not interested in appealing to a wider audience. I'm not interested in pandering to people that want to learn how to invest in real estate. I honestly want to learn what it is I'm looking for to get to the next level. I figure, you know, if I can engage in some sort of high level conversation where I'm just barely hanging on, I think that would be, I think that would add a lot of value. It may alienate some people who don't understand, but it might also add a lot of value to the point where people are like, holy, I got to listen to this podcast because like, I got to write this stuff down. This is some really good added value. Now, biggest problem that I've discovered with myself uh, through Keyspire, it was through talking to a consultant at a Keyspire event four years ago. I, f- I discovered in hindsight that I was asking all the wrong questions. I was really caught up with like what my next steps were at that time, and I, w- I was asking stupid questions like, "How do I uh, split? Uh, you know, how do I split the heat? How do I split hydro? How do I separate a unit? Like, this is all information I could have." found from the contractor of the city, I really should have been asking how to scale as a business, you know, what kind of investing do I want to get in, into? So I decided to add some friends to my podcast to help me with these questions, Ben Freegang and Trevor Gall. Ben is in Vancouver and Trevor is in Halifax. And I, of course, am in Toronto, Ontario. So uh, we called the podcast Coast to Coast. And we're just coming at it from a learning standpoint where we're getting people on the show and we're just mining them for information that we need to move on to the next level. So um, I'm looking forward to coming at it from that angle. I've never, I don't feel comfortable positioning myself as a professional real estate investor. I I really don't feel like it. Like I'm really scrounging for money right now. I'm hustling. I'm I'm in the throes of it, man. He's working. What am I doing? Like, this is craziness. And uh, it's great. And I'm humbled to be on your show. Just as a note, like you have some really great guests and, I'm nowhere near some of the guests you have on here. And I just want to thank you for having me. I just don't feel like I'm a pro. But uh, but anyway, my point is, is that I'm coming at it from a student angle. I'm just, I'm not positioning myself as a professional. I just want to learn. I want to share what I'm learning with whoever wants to listen to the podcast. And again, it's going to be called Coast to Coast Real Estate Investing Podcast. Perfect. I love it, man. That seems like as good a place as any to... Uh call it a show. Really appreciate you coming on here, Nick. Uh, I'll pump you up since you don't want to do it, man. Honestly, you're, you're as much of a, you're as much of a contributor and a person who's, who knows what they're doing in real estate as, as a lot of the people who are on here. And, and that's part of the reason why, you know, we bring so many different people at different stages on what, what you said off the top and what you just kind of came back to was, you know, around adding value. And I 100% know that you added a ton of value here in this conversation for myself and for anybody who's going to listen to this. So thank you for being here and for doing this. Um, do you have any final words that you want to throw through if you want people to connect with you? I know you gave your email there earlier, but uh, we could probably do a little bit of a 
uh, connecting info here. If you do want people to uh, reach out to you or if they want to get in touch, we can uh, give kind of the final word to you here. Yeah, listen, I just want to invite anyone to uh, reach out to me at nick.scalcos at gmail.com. We can talk about investing in multi-units. We can talk about investing in New Brunswick and Ontario. We can talk about conversions. We can talk about my my musical history. Uh, whatever you want to talk about, I'm open for that. And uh, and that's it. And Doug, I just want to thank you for giving me the time and the platform to uh, share my story with people. And uh, I'm surprised I had an hour's worth of content to talk about but hey, <laughs> I did have some things to share so thank you for reminding that out of me and uh, I look forward to having you as a guest on my podcast oh man we'll, uh, we'll have to make it happen excellent <laughs> right yeah. on Nick Scalicos Revenue with Real Estate Podcast thanks for being here man thanks guys take care have a good night Thank you for listening to the Revenue with Real Estate podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Just a couple of more things before you take off. If you want to learn more about Revenue, you can check us out at Revenue.com. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. On YouTube at Revenue with Real Estate, Facebook Revenue with Real Estate, or on Instagram at Revenue Canada. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, or anything that you want to share with us here at the show, please send us an email to info at revenue.com. Revenue with Real Estate, helping you understand the real risks and rewards of profitable real estate investing so that you can lead a life that you love. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to welcoming you to the Revenue with Real Estate community.